Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Discernment is especially necessary in our day as believers, just as it was in the New Testament days, because of the false teachers that seemingly look and sound Christian, yet in one way or another seek to deny and distort the fundamentals of the Christian faith as is revealed in the scriptures. In a day and age like this, where so many preachers preach things that almost sound Christian, but are actually diluted or distorted versions of biblical Christianity, now more than ever before, Christians need to practice and to exercise biblical discernment. One of those preachers or false teachers who is likely to sound Christian to you and yet is actually distorting the Christian faith is a man named Andrew Womack. Andrew Womack is the founder of Andrew Womack Ministries and Caris Bible College. He spreads his message across the world through radio, television, and the internet. Womack began his organization in the United States in 1978 and now it's in many parts of the world. His Caris Bible College even has branches in East and Southern Africa. Perhaps you have seen or heard Womack on TV or radio on his Gospel Truth program. Now, should we be asking if Andrew Womack is popular? There is no question about that. He certainly is. Instead, we should be asking, is Womack's message biblically sound? Is he correctly using God's word to instruct and encourage his many followers, or is he departing from the truth? Since scripture warns all Christians again and again to beware of false teachers, we must carefully examine and answer Womack's doctrines, especially in two key areas that he constantly emphasizes. The first one is that of health and prosperity, and the second one, is about authority. First, let me talk to you about health and prosperity as Andrew Womack teaches in and especially take you to the Bible so you can see a biblical response to his teaching. Parts of Womack's teaching might sound familiar to you, especially because many preachers in Africa, like David Oedepo, teach similar ideas by ignoring what the Bible says about God's will in this area. Now, Andrew Womack claims that it is wrong for you to believe that God causes people to die, or that he uses sickness in your life to humble you for your own spiritual benefit. Instead, Womack claims, and I quote, God's word is very clear that sickness and disease are operations from the devil. In one of his books, Womack even claims that if you are depressed, you are demonized, Satan is messing with you. Womack teaches that God never uses sickness for your good in any way, and he claims on his website that God wants every person healed every time. More so, he claims that the cross of Jesus has already redeemed believers from every sickness and disease. Again he says, and I quote, Healing is a done deal and is available to us now exactly the same as forgiveness of sins. God by his grace, has already healed everybody. In his book, 
God wants you well, Womack makes the devastating statements that if God wants us well and we aren't, this means we have to accept some degree of responsibility and that some people don't experience healing because they don't understand how to receive healing properly. In other words, he seems to suggest that if you aren't healed, it is your fault. According to Womack, not only is perfect health available to us now, but so are financial blessings. Womack twists many Bible verses as he tries to support this claim. For instance, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says that Jesus became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Womack argues that this applies to us both spiritually and materially. He says Jesus' death and resurrection provide not just pardon for sin, but healing, deliverance, and prosperity for Christians in this life. And to access this material prosperity, believers must use their authority. But what does the Bible really teach? On the one hand, sickness and poverty can sometimes come from demonic sources. On the other hand, it is clear that God is sometimes the author of such trials. Now let me give you a couple examples because I know this might be hard to digest, that God is sometimes the author of such trials. Have you, for instance, read Exodus chapter 4 verse 11? God says to Moses, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In fact, James 4.15 warns believers that you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that, meaning that nothing really happens outside the will of God. Now, does this mean that God is cruel or uncaring? Of course, no. And though we can't always understand his specific purpose in every time of suffering or sickness we endure, God can use these situations for our good. In Psalms 119, verses 67 and verse 71, the psalmist confesses, saying, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. Like the psalmist, many people turn to the Lord during hardship and not prosperity. And for this reason, it makes good sense that God uses seasons of trial to draw people to himself. After someone is saved, God continues to use any means necessary to deal with this person. Now listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 and 7 says. The Lord teaches the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And your hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Now again, a good father here on earth doesn't discipline his child just to be cruel. And neither does God, our heavenly father. Instead, the Lord makes it clear that his discipline has a loving goal. And that is to teach his children valuable lessons that they may otherwise not learn. As 1 Peter 4.19 explains, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. 
In fact, the whole book of First Peter is especially helpful for comforting and guiding us in seasons of trial. And mark this, he says, those who suffer according to God's will. That God's will is involved in the suffering of believers. Now, on the topic of sickness and healing, let's be clear. God is able to heal whomever he wants, whenever he wants, certainly. But he never promises in scripture to do this whenever we want him to. And we need to be very clear about this as believers to avoid shattered expectations and being disappointed from our wrong beliefs. The Bible does teach that God will one day heal all his people. Again, that is biblical truth. But not in this present earthly life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16, the Apostle Paul observes that here on earth our physical bodies are wasting away. But that doesn't leave us without hope. God's word promises that when Jesus returns, all true believers will receive resurrection bodies that will never wear out and never get sick again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 42 and 43, Paul describes our current bodies as perishable, sown in dishonor and weakness. But after the resurrection, he says that our new bodies will be imperishable, sown in eternal glory and power. The same is also true of prosperity. Some of us may be poor in this life and others wealthy. In the next life, all of our needs will be met. For now, we need to be content with our circumstances in life while we seek to grow closer to God. Now this doesn't mean it would be sinful for us to seek a better paying job or some other way to improve our finances, certainly. The danger, however, comes when we focus on becoming rich instead of focusing first and foremost on God. Otherwise, as Paul warns us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9, it can easily lead to ruin and destruction. In Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12, the apostle Paul a man through whom God performed many miracles explains that I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I mean. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Now, the second thing we need to examine here is Andrew Womack's teaching about God's authority. Womack actually opposes the Bible's clear teaching that God is sovereign, that he is almighty and personally rules over all things everywhere. Let me give you a painful example of this. As you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 describes God giving responsibility to Adam and Eve to care for the world he made for them. It says, they were to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. Now, Womack interprets this to mean that they had complete and restricted authority over this world. This authority was the use of God's power, which they somehow released through their words. Womack falsely teaches that God lost his authority when he gave it away to Adam and Eve. And after that, God had no way to use his power on earth unless someone else spoke his words from the Bible. And Womack doesn't stop there. He goes on to twist the story further, 
saying that when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, they gave their authority to Satan. He reasons that people today have the same problem. Satan fools them into believing and saying things that oppose God's will. It gets even worse. Next, Womack says, All of this is the reason why Jesus had to be born. In his book, The Believer's Authority, Womack writes that because God didn't have a physical human body, he wasn't free to just operate unrestricted on this earth. He had to become a man. Jesus, the God-man, had to become a physical person so that he would have authority on this earth. You should know that nowhere does the Bible teach this in the Old or New Testament. Womack simply made it up and it is deeply wrong. By his twisted logic, Womack claims that Jesus was powerless to come down to earth whenever he wanted to. Instead, Jesus needed some other authority to be born because he had none. And with absolutely no evidence from scripture, by the way, Womack writes that it literally took God 4,000 years to find enough people who would operate in enough faith to speak forth and prophesy the things that needed to be spoken for Jesus' body to be created. But the New Testament emphasizes again and again that Jesus is Almighty God in human flesh. John chapter 1 reveals that Jesus is God, the creator of all things. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus announces to his disciples that he possesses all authority in heaven and on earth. You read Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, it declares that in Jesus all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. But for some reason, Womack seems to think that making God the Father and the Son look weak should make us feel strong, and nothing could be further from the truth. Womack's teachings on divine and human authority are deeply unbiblical. Yes, God did give Adam and Eve, his creatures, dominion to take care of the earth. But this dominion did not happen by releasing God's power with their faith-filled words. Instead, what we find, it means that God assigned humans to look after what he had made, much like a groundskeeper at a beautiful park. The Sovereign Lord personally drove Adam and Eve from the garden and banished them forever, again an indication that he still had authority. So, any limited authority God gives to people today still operates under the limited power and control of God. This is why God could confuse the languages at Babel in Genesis chapter 11 and cause the walls of Jericho to fall in Joshua chapter 6. This is also why ancient Israel did not find peace when the many false prophets promised prosperity like we find in Jeremiah chapter 14. God was not controlled by the words of these false prophets. On the contrary, they were subject to his words. Proverbs 16 verse 9 reminds us, that even though people try to plan their course for their lives, in the end the Lord establishes their steps. The Almighty God of Scripture rules over all things, and not just over this world, but the entire universe. Now, here is the bottom line. Because Womack's teachings contradict Scripture, they bring confusion and harm. Womack offers hard-hearted advice to a grieving mother whose 17-year-old boy accidentally shot himself at a friend's house. 
Now, based on his unbiblical doctrine of the supernatural power of the spoken words, Womack says that the real source of this tragedy was an argument between the boy and his mother before he left home that day. Womack declares that the mother was guilty of causing her son's death. You can imagine. Womack describes a weak and biblical God who can't even accomplish his own will. For instance, Womack tells a story of two teenage boys who went into their school in 1999 and murdered a dozen students, a teacher, and finally themselves. How does Womack explain this? He says that God did not want this to happen and did whatever he could to try to stop them. Womack further says that God even spoke through a youth minister shortly before this tragedy and tried to put restraints on the killers and obstacles in their way. But according to Womack, it wasn't enough. God failed, and so the two boys successfully carried out their bloody plans. Yet, as you look through scripture, you will notice that the complete testimony of scripture agrees with Job, who confessed to God saying, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job understood this very clearly, that God was sovereign, that God was in charge and in absolute control over everything, big and small. And he says, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. So what is the answer to Womack's serious error? Instead of a false faith that focuses on health and prosperity and denies God's absolute power and sovereignty, the Lord calls his people to trust him completely in all situations. Andrew Womack twists the scriptures to preach a false God and promises a false hope to his hearers. As one Christian theologian has written, believers who embrace Womack's theology will have smaller views of God and an unbiblical, joy-killing, guilt-producing understanding of their responsibility for sufferings that are beyond their control, but which really are within the absolute control of our loving Almighty God. So, do not lock yourself in this spiritual prison. If you are struggling with suffering as a Christian, and the questions it raises, or with questions about health and prosperity, I encourage you to take advantage of free online teaching resources from the Africa Center for Apologetics Research and the Gospel Coalition Africa. The Centers for Apologetics Research also have an excellent video answering Andrew Womack and his false teachings on their YouTube channel. May God reassure you of his love day by day as you trust in Christ and his unbreakable promises in the Bible. May the Lord enable you to develop biblical discernment so that you are able to tell the difference between truth and error, even though sometimes they are seemingly close. That you may be able to differentiate between right and wrong, and that you may be a Christian that is grounded in biblical truth, growing in God's grace to the glory of God and Him alone. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.